Okay, we're in a series called The Power of the Tongue. And um, so far in our four sermons, we've talked about having a tongue of faith, a tongue of peace, a tongue of thanksgiving, and a tongue of blessing. So obviously, y'all's mouths are improving, I would assume. Are your mouths improving? <laughs> is, your, is your spouse's mouth improving at all? Okay, well, who knows? I don't know. Maybe their breath isn't, but their, their words better be. You know, I was thinking the other day, whenever we, we text somebody and we send the text, we can't take those words back, you know? When we email somebody, we can't take that back. Uh, if you put something on social media, you know, people can screenshot it, and you can, you can still delete it. And anything. But, you know, when we talk, when we talk, we just, we just talk. Words are just all over the place. I wonder how different our life would be if, um, you know what a, a court stenographer is? The, the stenographer in the courtroom is that annoying little person in the corner that you hear mumbling the whole time you're talking. They're talking into a thing and they're typing. And, and if you want to know what was said in a courtroom, you pay this person money and they type out every single word. That, I mean, every, if the bailiff coughs, it's, it, has, you know, it has everything in there. I wonder how different our life would be if there was a stenographer following us around and everything we said to everybody, whether it's behind closed doors or when we're upset, everything was typed out and handed to us. Would we talk differently? Yeah. Wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be horrible if I found a scripture in the Bible that said every single word that you speak is typed out and given to God? Would that be good or bad? That, I don't know. <laughs> Matthew 12, 36, on judgment day, you will have to give an account for every word you have ever spoken. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. There's an angel stenographer following you around everywhere. That wasn't the best news to open up the sermon with, was it? And I was like, oh, I thought I was going to be encouraged today. That's not very encouraging. Listen, if you want an encouraging life, have an encouraging mouth. If you want a healthy home, have a healthy mouth. If you want a peaceful relationship, have a peaceful mouth. You control your life, the atmosphere around you, and even the people you're in relationship with all by the words that are coming out of your mouth. For heaven's sakes, either shut up or say something positive. Like either close your mouth or bless somebody. But stop with the griping. Stop with the complaining. We are the most blessed people in the world. If there's anyone that should have a good mouth, it should be us. So in part five today, I want to talk to you about this. Having a tongue of self-prophecy. A tongue of self-prophecy. And that sounds like a spiritual word, but it's not that spiritual of a word. Self-prophecy basically says this. You control your future by what you talk about today. You control every word that you speak out of your mouth affects tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. I hear people even in this room say things like this. Man, I'm always so sick. Oh, I'm so depressed. Oh, I, I can't lose any weight. I'm so unattractive. I'm not as smart as they are. By your own words, you have cursed your future. Satan didn't have to do anything. You're doing his job for him. Proverbs 18, 21 says death and life or in the power of the tongue, and you'll eat the fruit of everything that you say. Now, I, I want to I teach you a little bit of theology. At first, some of you may disagree with it, but I promise I'm right and you're wrong. So um, <laughs> we, we think a lot of times, like in the 80s and 90s, there was this charismatic movement called the, um, they, they, the, this, this branch of the charismatic movement called the name it and claim it group. And it basically said, you say it and you create it. When you say it, you create it. When you say it, you create it. Okay, we don't create anything. I just want you to know, we can't create nothing. I've tried so many times, let there be a Lamborghini. Let there be a Lamborghini. And I don't, nothing ever happens. Nothing, I'm stuck with a truck. So you can't create anything, okay? 
Um, Satan only manipulates. He can't create. Satan only manipulates God's creation. Uh, the word um, wicked is, is a word that describes Satan. Wicked. It comes from the word wicker, like wicker furniture. Wicker furniture is furniture that is twisted. You see, there's tons of twists in there. All Satan does is twist and manipulate the things that God wants to do in your life. He twists and manipulates God's words. Here's what I want to show you. Death is Satan. Life is Jesus. Every time you speak, you are either giving God the power to create in your life or you're giving Satan the power to twist what God wants to do in your life. With every word out of your mouth, I have a friend that I used to play racquetball with years ago. Every time he missed the ball, every, every time, not once, not, every single time he missed the ball, he would say his name out loud, and he would then say every cuss word he could possibly think of. He'd say, oh, and he'd call his name out. Let's say his name's Paul. He said, oh, Paul, you blankety blank, 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 blank. I mean, it was horrible. And here's the thing. His racquetball game never got any better. In fact, it got so bad, he got so unhealthy, he can never play racquetball again the rest of his life. I'll tell you why. Because his mouth is nasty. His mouth is nasty. Every time you speak, it's like you're giving God gasoline for the car to get you to your divine destiny. You know, we want, we, it's like we have this car and we want Jesus to drive. You know, Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from, okay. So we want Jesus, that's my only solo I'm ever going to do in church. We want Jesus to drive us to our divine destiny. And every time you speak, you're putting gasoline in the car that Jesus drives you in, okay? Because we don't create, we just give the fuel for God to do it. But every time you speak anything that contradicts the word of God or contradicts what God says about you or contradicts what God wants to do in your life, every time you do it, you're giving Satan the gasoline to get you in the car and to get you as further away from God's plan as you can. Unless you're a dork and you drive a Tesla, then it's all, it's all electric. But, but we're going to talk to normal people. Gasoline, okay? So every time you speak, you're either going in this direction with God or this direction with Satan. All by the words that come out of your mouth. You will, there's no way to get around it. You will eat. You will eat the fruit of everything that you say. So I have three points for you today on how to prophesy. Uh, I have self-prophecy. Number one is this. Prophesy your future. You need to prophesy your future. Proverbs 6, 2, you're snared by the words of your mouth. The sayings of your lips will overcome you. I wish this scripture said this. I wish it said the saying of God's lips will overcome you. But wouldn't that be so powerful if everything that God said about us came to pass? If everything that God spoke into our life happened, wouldn't that be amazing? But our words are free will. Our free will is so powerful, it can get rid of what God says. It can, it can cause this unlimited God, this magnificent, all-powerful God, it can stop what he wants to do by our mouth. Not our enemy, not our parents. You're not snared by the words of your parents' mouth or the people that raised you or whoever spoke good thing. I can speak to you all day long. You are not snared by my words. Everything out of your mouth affects your future. Everything. Um, I read years ago about this, uh, this, this doctor. He had a bunch of colleagues in his, in his group, in his field, and they all had like a, like a hospital, kind of a smaller hospital, where they'd have patients that, were, that stayed there. And uh, this one doctor decided he was going to try something with his patients called talk therapy. 
along with medication, along with medication, he had his patients get in a circle three times a day, and they would all have to look at everyone in the circle and say great things about their future. They have to make up something. You're going to be healthier than you ever were. Um, you're the, pers the person that you know you want to marry is going to come into your life next year. Um, next year is going to be your happiest year ever. And they have to think of things about the other person. When this doctor got together with his colleagues after about a season of that, they discovered that this particular doctor who did the talk therapy with medication, his patients were 50% further along than his colleagues who used medication only. <clears throat> it worked so well, he decided to do something the next season <clears throat> called self-medication. This time with their medicine, they had to stand up in the room with everybody there and they had to think of three things to say about their own future in front of everyone. They had to stand up and say, um, next year I'm going to be healthier than I've ever been. My life's going to be so prosperous coming up. This next month I'm going to be happier than I've ever been. I'm going to have great friends coming to my life next year. On and on it went. Do you know after that season of doing that, those patients were 80% further along than all the other patients who only use medication. One of the doctor's colleagues was so intrigued by what he was doing, this other particular doctor, he had all patients who were um, critically ill, who were dying of illnesses and diseases. They were all, all, all of them had diseases. They were there to basically pass away. And he was so intrigued by what happened, he decided every time he'd go in his room to visit his patients who were dying, life-threatening diseases, he would say to them, has anyone in the history of the world ever survived this disease that you have? And of course, every one of them would have to say, well, yes, there's at least one person, maybe tens of thousands, but yes, someone has survived. Then he would make them say out of their own mouth, I will be the one that survives. I'll be the one that overcomes. Do you know every single one of his patients got exactly what they were saying? They all were healed of their disease. Isaiah 57, 19 says, God says, I create, God creates, I create the fruit of your lips. If, if that talk therapy can work for a bunch of people in a hospital, imagine if we said things like, because the sun has set me free, I am free from that addiction. Not, you know what, I've been an alcoholic for 22 years, or I've been a porn addict for nine years. Or, no, 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 I'm free because the sun set me free. You say, well, you're not free. I know, I'm prophesying my future, man. I'm saying it so that God will bring it to pass. I, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Not, man, I feel so sick today. I'm gaining weight. <laughs> Things aren't going. I'm losing my hair. No, 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 man. I am healed because the stripes of Jesus have healed me. You prophesied out. I realize one of the funny things that I kind of do up here a lot is I joke around about being so young and handsome. <laughs> and I've been doing it for like 20 years. I've always, since I was 20 years old, I've always joked around about just having good genes and I can't ever gain weight, you know, so young looking and so handsome. But you know what? I am stinking young looking and handsome because I keep saying it. Now, here's the funny thing is um, the opposite would be for me to stand up here and say, man, I'm starting to get a gut. My hair's getting thinner. I feel like I'm 42 years old. That doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't do anything for my wife. Don't go around speaking negative things about yourself. Nobody wants to hear it. And you know, I, I joke around about being young and handsome, but it's funny. Anytime me and my wife go out, you know, we go to big events and stuff. I, I grew up around here, so I always look to see if there's anybody I know, or anybody I can witness to or invite to church or whatever from high school. And so I'll, I'll look and I'll say, you know, what? I think I went to high school with him or high school with her. And my wife, she's 15 years younger than me. She'll say, honey, those people are my age. They're not your age. You didn't go to school with them. 
And then she'll find somebody she thinks is my age. I'm like, honey, they look like they're retired. Maybe he was my teacher in school. Maybe that's where I saw him from. If you saw any of my high school friends, and please forgive me if any of y'all are watching right now, but any of my high school friends, they look like they're 20 years older than me. I mean, every time I see somebody from high school, they always say this, you look the exact same. Nothing's changed. I said, here's why I keep speaking it out. I keep talking about how handsome and young I feel. You need to do the same thing. Um, you know, when I first learned this principle, uh, it was maybe 10, maybe 12, 13 years ago. And you know, when you learn something out of the Bible or when you hear a sermon on Sunday, it's wisdom and you like it and you agree with it, but it doesn't become a revelation <clears throat> until you apply it and then God does it. That's when like everything changes, you know, you'll hear a good sermon, you know, last week on blessing other people, whatever it is. But once you do what God's word says, and then God does what he says he's going to do, everything changes. It becomes revelatory, right? So I was preaching on something like this for the first time ever, maybe 13, 12, 13 years ago. And, um, and at the time I, I knew the wisdom of it, but it wasn't a revelation to me yet. And so that particular week, we, we, were, we didn't have a lot of money, like I said earlier, but um, I, I was never able to buy myself a new suit. I never had a new suit. I preached for maybe eight, eight years in other men's suits. They would be hand-me-downs from other pastors who found out I started a church, and it meant so much to me, but none of them fit me. But I wore them anyway because I'm very comfortable with the suit on, but you know, they'd be too long or too short or much too big on me and that kind of thing. But I felt like you know maybe I got some of their anointing or sweat or whatever you want to call it you know part of the suit but even when i went to get them altered the alteration people were like dude this suit is so far out of your size we can't even alter it so i, I wore to church just things that didn't fit me well this particular week for some reason for some reason i heard god say i want to buy you a new suit and i thought that's so weird why would god want to you know buy a house i just kept feeling it deep inside so as I was working on that sermon for the first time ever, all week long, every time I prayed, every time I was just talking, I'd say, God, thank you for my new suit. Thank you. I'm so grateful you're going to get me a new suit. Now, I never said it where anybody could hear because I didn't want to feel stupid, but I said it to myself out loud. I did say it out loud. God, thank you for my new suit. So that Sunday, we're on the way to church, a little storefront church, and my son Zach was in the car with me. And I'm just saying my normal prayers, you know, Lord, Keep me humble. Don't let me say anything stupid today. You know, guard my mouth. All these great things speak through me. I said, Lord, thank you for my new suit today. And just thank you so much for my new suit. And my son, Zach, at the time, he was so into clothes. He wanted Abercrombie and Fitch and Hollis and all that And he said, you got a new suit? And I said, well, I mean, not, not yet, you know, not yet, but I'm going to get one. He said, you just, you just thank God for your suit. I said, I just feel like for some reason God's going to give me a new suit. And he started laughing his head off. <laughs> How's God going to get, is God going to come down from heaven and take you to the mall and buy you a suit? He just thought it was so funny. I said, you be quiet. Lord, thank you for my new suit. So I get to church that Sunday. God's words, I get to church and I pull into the parking lot and there's a guy standing at my door. Won't even let me open up my door. Now this guy had visited our church two or three times. He was a hell's angel. He was six foot seven. His beard came all the way down to his waist and the hair and back came all the way down to his knees. He wore his biker outfit. He had his tattoos. The only thing you could see on him were eyes. So he was scary because there was hair everywhere on him. And he never really talked to me in the two or three weeks that he came to church. And he's standing at my door and won't let me open the door. And I thought, oh, man, I said something in my sermon about bikers and he's going to kill me. And my son's here. And I got to preach an hour. You know, how can I preach if I'm dead? And, you know, all these kind of thoughts. Are coming. And so I rolled my window down like this much. And he said, I said, Pastor, I got something for you. 
and he threw a card in my car and he walked away. When I looked at the card, it was a $550 gift card to the suit store at the mall. When I looked at it, I was so shocked. I wanted to say, oh, oh hey, I wanted to like scream, Jesus, Jesus. But I didn't want my son to think that I didn't know it was going to happen and that I was shocked. So I tried to play it all cool and everything. And I'm just looking at it and Zach said, what is that? I said, um, 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 uh, it's just a, it's a $550 gift card to the suit store at the mall. I'll never forget my son Zach did this. Lord, thank you for a million dollars. God, thank you for a million dollars. I said, son, it don't work like that. That's not how it works. You got to say things that are part of your destiny. You can't just make up stuff. <laughs> Listen, from that day forward, man, my whole life changed in this area. It became a revelation to me, and it has set the course. The reason I'm here today is because the words, not that were spoken over me, but I spoke out of my mouth. Um, if our words are so powerful, if they can create by God's hand or if they can manipulate by the enemy's hand, then what happens when someone else speaks negative words over our life? What happens when they curse us? What happens when they tell us we're not attractive or we can't do it or we don't have what it takes? What happens to those words? First Samuel 16, David was cursed by his father. First Samuel 17, 28, David was cursed by his brothers. First Samuel 17, 33, David was cursed by King Saul. First Samuel 17, 43, David was cursed by Goliath. Did those words seal David's future? See, the words that come out of our mouth supersede the words that have come out of anyone else's mouth, even God's. Our words supersede everyone. But so if someone's spoken the wrong things over your life, listen, if you have not out loud spoken the right things, those words are still there. That's why we praise and worship God verbally. That's why we thank God verbally. That's why we say how awesome he is verbally so that everything we say cancels out everything else. First Samuel 17, 46, David said to Goliath, today the Lord's going to help me defeat you. I'm going to kill you, knock you down, cut off your head, feed your body to the birds. When David spoke that out, every other curse over his life was completely gone. David literally prophesied his future. He literally spoke out the very thing that he wanted to happen. Two minutes later, he did exactly what he said he was going to do. Um, when I first became the pastor or wanted to learn how to preach, the, the, the person whose affirmation I wanted more than anything in the world spent 20 years trying to get their affirmation. I thought, well, this will finally do it. I'll tell them that I'm going to be a preacher and I'm going to learn how to pastor. And finally, I'll hear, you know, that's great. The first thing out of his mouth, he said this, you'll fail miserably. You'll be a horrible pastor. You'll never say anything that anyone ever wants to hear. Did those words seal my future? No, because I can tell you, it's taken maybe 5,000 times and I'm still in counseling because of it. I have to keep saying over and over, you know what? I'm a great pastor. God's got his hand on me. He's anointed me. When I talk, people want to listen. My own words are the things that cut that off. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you will prosper, but every word spoken against you, you have to declare wrong. Not God, not your parents, not your pastor. You have to speak out that that was wrong and it's not going to take effect in your life. Real quick, before I get to point number two, um, on, on K-Love a while back, the Christian radio station, I heard about this lady. She, she graduated high school at 104 years old. Not because it took her that long. She didn't go to Socrates, but because she decided to go back to high school when she was 104. And so they asked her, they said, why did you, why did you go back to high school at 104 years old? And she said this, when I was 10 years old, 
My parents took me out of school so I'd work for the family. This was 100 years ago. And she said, my parents told me, you would have never graduated anyway. You're a girl. And they took her out and made her work. And she said this, I've told myself every day for 90-something years, one day I'm going to graduate high school. And you know she did at 104 years old. She died the next day. I'm just kidding. No, she didn't. But that would have been horrible. <laughs> anyway, so listen, don't say anything unless you can follow up with, that's exactly what I want to happen in my life. Don't you say anything out of your mouth unless you know these words will follow. That's exactly what I want to take place. Point number two is this. Prophesy to your feelings. Prophesy to man. Do we talk out of our feelings so much? <laughs> we talk out of our fears. We talk out of our discouragement. We talk out of our anger. You don't need to talk. You don't need to talk about your feelings. You need to talk to them. It says in 2 Corinthians 4.13, the words out of my mouth came from the faith in my heart. We say what we believe. Now listen. The Bible tells us that our own heart deceives us. In other words, you don't know what's in your heart. You think you do, but you don't. We all think we do. We're all wrong. The Bible's right. Our heart deceives us. The way you know what's in your heart is by what comes out of your mouth. So I realize you just flippantly say this and you flippantly say that. But you have to understand that came from your heart. Whether you thought it or whatever it is, it came from your heart. This helps me because when I do go to counseling, I say, listen, this past week I said these words. I thought I was joking. I thought I was, but it's somewhere in my heart. Help me find the root. I don't want that to be in my heart. I don't want to be afraid of the enemy. I don't want to be afraid of success. I don't want to have feelings that don't line up with God's path for me. And I said these things and I know it's in my heart. Even if you feel it, even if you think it, don't give death to it by speaking it out. Don't give that to it. You gotta, you gotta prophesy the right things over your feelings. We are not called to be reporters who go around reporting on how we feel and what's going wrong in life. We're called to be forecasters. We're called to prophesy what God wants to do in our future. Um, in Jeremiah 1.5, it says, God told Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I chose you to be a prophet to the nations. What an amazing destiny. What an amazing plan. But here's how Jeremiah responded in verse 6. Ah, Lord God, I cannot speak. I am too young. I do think it's funny that it has the word ah in there. He could have just said Lord God, but he was like, ah, Lord God, I can't do it. I'm too young. So here's God saying, here's the direction I want to drive you. You know, every time you speak, it's like you're sending an invitation out to a future party. You're either inviting angels of healing and angels of mercy, angels of forgiveness, or you're inviting demons of, of, of offense or demons of unforgiveness or demons of pain or demons of sorrow. With everything you speak and invitations going out. And God said, here's what I want to come in your life. I want this, 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 this gift of prophetic to come in your life. I want to call you to speak unto nations unto my behalf. And then Jeremiah said this. Instead of going in that direction, he said, here's why I can't do it. I'm too young. Now, what did God do about a guy who's saying the opposite of what God said? In verse 7, God said, Jeremiah, don't ever say you're too young. In fact, here's what I want you to do. Only say what I tell you. Don't say nothing. I already see your mouth's going in the wrong direction. So don't say nothing unless I tell you to say it. Here's why God did that. He knew that Jeremiah's words could cancel out the plan that God had. For healing, mercy, a, a gift, an anointing, whatever it was, his own words could cancel it out. In fact, in verse 12, the Lord said this to him, I'm watching to make sure my words come true in your life. I can tell you all day long, God's got a great plan. 
I can tell you all day long he wants to save your grandchild. I can tell you all day long there's something amazing about your life that God wants to do. I can tell you that all day, but you are not a product of my words. You're a product of your own words. You're not even a product of God's words. You're a product of your own words. Um, I heard about this young girl. She moved to a, a new state with her family, and uh, she started a new school in like January, beginning of the, of the year, and um, she didn't have any friends. She didn't know anybody there, and it was tough making friends at a new school. And Valentine's Day was coming up, and this school had a tradition where on Valentine's Day, for a dollar, you could send a flower and a note to a girl in school, and during homeroom, they would deliver the flowers, and you know, all the girls would get their flowers in front of everybody. And uh, this girl, she, she knew she wasn't going to get one. She didn't know anybody there. She was dreading Valentine's Day. She was going to be a, a day of embarrassment for her. But the day before Valentine's, she had an idea. She went and got $25, and she went down to the school office, and she filled out 25 different cards with 25 different flowers, all addressed to herself. It came time for Valentine's Day, and in homeroom, they're delivering the flowers, and most of the girls got three, maybe four flowers. The real popular girls got like six, seven, maybe eight flowers. This girl, she got 25 flowers that day. And every time a flower was put on her desk, she would open up the card, and she'd say things like this out loud. I didn't know he liked me, and oh, they think that much of me. I'm going to have to thank him. Oh, that was so sweet. On and on she did. All the electricity in the room, the kids thought, who is this girl? Wow, everybody likes her. She's so popular. I guess she's beautiful. Oh, my goodness. Everyone was so electrified. That girl went home with more flowers than anybody else in the history of the school had ever gotten. Here's the point. If nobody's complimenting you, compliment yourself. If nobody's speaking life over you, speak it over yourself. Your parents may have cursed you. Your boss may not like you. You have a mouth on you that is setting the direction for your life. James 3.8 says the tongue is full of deadly poison. Every time you speak, if it contradicts God's word, if it involves anything against God's plan for your life, it's like the enemy, Satan himself, is handing you a shot of poison, saying, here, just drink some of this. You wouldn't do it, right? Then shut your mouth. Um, in our house, uh, I'm sure every guy does this, but you know, before you get in the shower, if you're a man, or, before, or after you take a shower, you always kind of flex in the mirror. You do one or two flex poses, you know. Every man does that, right? Well, up until this point in my life, I thought that every man did that. Y'all don't do that? None of y'all do that? Dave Potter, I know you got to do it, don't you? <laughs> Not now. I meant before you get in the shower, man. No, no. Don't hurt yourself. I don't want to hurt yourself. None of y'all do that? Well, whatever. This is going to ruin my point. But anyway... So for some reason, there's this mirror in our bathroom and the way the lights are and the way everything's set up, when I flex in front of that mirror, I look like Captain America. I mean, you can see definition. You can see every one of my abs. I, got, I mean, there's so much muscle all over me. Back, everything is amazing. But for some reason, if I take three steps back and I look to the right, there's another mirror. This one's in our bedroom. Now, I don't know if it's the lights. It can't be me. But for some reason, in that mirror... I look like the blob. I look like there's nothing. I look like Gumby. Y'all know who Gumby is? That's what I look like. Or Woody from Toy Story. There's no definition. There's no muscles. So you know what? I don't look in that mirror anymore. I don't like the way it makes me look. So I, I just soon throw the thing away. 
anything in your life, a friend, a relationship, an old picture, clothing, anything that you think makes you look in an unattractive light, anything that causes you to see yourself in a negative light, anything that focuses on your past, your sins, or anything wrong with you, get rid of it. That is not how God sees you. It is all because of the blood of Jesus. We can say this in Psalms 139, 14. I am fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. You know who said that? A murderer, an adulterer, and a liar. And he had the nerve to say, God, you're so amazing. You created me so great. I am fearfully and wonderfully made by your hand. Jeremiah 30, 17, I'll restore health to you. Heal all your wounds, says the Lord. When you speak this out, you're inviting the angel of healing into your life. This is what faith is. Point number three, you prophesied faith. Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing the word of God. If you're not hearing it, open up your mouth. If you're not feeling it, open up your mouth. If you don't see it, open up your mouth and prophesy in faith. Faith is not produced until it is spoken. Don't ever think that you have faith if you're not talking. Faith is not produced. It never does anything without some. Even God himself was hovering over the waters in creation and nothing happened until he said, let there be light. Nothing. Lazarus, Jesus prayed for Lazarus to rise from the dead. Nothing happened until after the prayer, Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. It all happens with our mouth. In um, Luke 1, 13, this angel visited uh, Zechariah. Now, Mary, the mother of Jesus, had a cousin named Elizabeth. Elizabeth's husband was Zechariah. Okay, so that's where the story fits. In Luke 1, 31 through 37, the angel said, Mary, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Luke 1, 13, the angel told Zechariah, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you'll name him John. Now that's good news, right? An angel visits you and says, here's what God wants to do. Here's what Zechariah said in verse 18. Do you expect me to believe that? Do you expect me to believe that God has forgiven me for what I did? Do you expect me to believe I can have God's favor in spite of my addiction? Do you expect me to believe that if I tithe, he'll open up the windows of heaven? Do you expect me to believe with this disease I can be healed? Do you expect me to believe as far gone as I am that God's going to bring someone great into my life? Do you expect me to believe God can heal that? Do you expect me to believe my grandchild who's in jail right now can be saved and be a great pastor one day? Do you expect me to believe this? Here's why I don't believe it. I'm much too old. Now, the greatest line in the entire Bible ever recorded by an angel in verse 19. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of the one who spoke the worlds into existence. His mouth called forth the sun and the planets. And he said, you're going to have a baby named John. But because you did not believe what I said. You will not be able to speak a word until the day my words come true. And this is the first time I can find in recorded history, the first time ever where somebody had to use sign language or write things down in order to communicate. And it was, it was um, Zachariah because God shut his mouth. Now I wonder how many miracles would occur in your life if God shut your mouth for a little bit. How many good things would you see if God just came in there and zipped up your mouth? Like in that movie, um... Was it Matrix where the remember his mouth got zipped up? It's a good movie. Watch it later. Okay, so listen. Um, imagine, imagine that, that, that God speaks to you today. And he wants to do something amazing in your life. Amazing. And you receive it. And you got it in you. And so God dispatches the angel. He says, Gabriel, get down to Myrtle Beach. Give them, give them, that, give them that miracle. They've been, go ahead and give it to them. 
and, and, and Gabriel's flying down to Myrtle Beach, and then all of a sudden God says, hold up. Gabriel says, what is it? God says, Gabriel, I need you to come back to heaven. God says, uh, the angel says, well, God, you said you would do this. It's actually in your word. You told them you would do And God said, Gabriel, did you hear what just came out of their mouth? They just said, I don't believe it can happen for me. They just said, I don't see a way. They just said, I don't feel like God's going to do it. Did you hear that? They just canceled out my plan. Gabriel, get back up to heaven until they get a mouth of faith on them. You know, the reason he closed Zachariah's mouth, all Zachariah had to do was go to his buddy. Dude, man, this angel came to me today. Oh, man. They're drinking, I think, is what they're doing. But anyway, the angel came, and they said I was going to have a baby. We're so old. <laughs> that was one that would cancel out God's plan. Now, here's the funniest thing ever. The exact same angel, exact same angel visited another girl that day. The same angel. In Luke 131. And listen how crazy this is. This is crazier. Mary, you found favor with God. The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son named Jesus. He will be the son of God. For with God, nothing is impossible. That's cray cray right there. What did Mary do? Oh, you came to the wrong person. The rich people, they live over here in this section of Market Common. The educated people, they're over there at the college teaching. The, you came, do you know who you're talking? Is that what Mary did? In verse 38, Mary said out of her mouth, let it be done unto me, just as you have said. You know that those words, for a little bit of theology, those words right there, that's the exact same Greek phrase as the word amen. <clears throat> Every time somebody says amen, what they're literally saying to God is this, whatever was just spoken, do in my life. That was literally what Mary said was amen. Let it be done unto me, just as you have said. Isaiah 62, 6, last scripture. I've set watchmen upon your walls whose duty is to speak out day and night. You who are his servants must remind the Lord of his promises. Give him no rest until he does what he says. It's so cool. It doesn't say that we are supposed to speak out our complaints. It doesn't say we're supposed to speak out correction to everybody that's doing something wrong in our family. It doesn't say we're supposed to speak out the things we don't like about this person and don't like about that. It says we're supposed to speak out everything God promised us. Uh, when my daughter, Sailor, was five or six years old, um, we'd put her on a microphone and she'd sing up here. Her mic would be off, but, you know, she'd stand up here and just sing. And she got all the words right and all. So cute. But I had a, we had a deal was, I said, Sailor, if you do that, if you show up on time, she's five or six. I said, if you show up on time and if you do a good job, Every Sunday that you do this with excellence, I'll take you to Target and I'll buy you a toy, a little five, ten dollar toy. We'll do this every Sunday. So every Sunday, that was our thing. She'd sing up on stage. After lunch, we'd go straight to Target. This one Sunday, I had meetings after church and pizza with the pastor and all kind of stuff, and I forgot about it. I forgot my promise to her. Do you think she forgot? No, she didn't. I was tucking her in bed. Eight o'clock, the kids would go to bed, and um, I was tucking, and she was so happy. I said, why are you so happy to go to bed? She said, I'm not going to bed. We're going to Target. <laughs> I said, we're doing what? She said, Daddy, you promised. Daddy, you said. You told me this is what you would do. You said if I was faithful in this area, you would do this for me. Do you think I made her go to sleep or do you think we went to Target? We went to Target. I bought her 10 presents that day. <laughs> if me as an earthly father... If I'm so moved by my child 
to keep my word and my promise to her and do what I said. When she reminds me, how much more is our heavenly father going to do for us when we speak out what he wants to accomplish in our life? Let me encourage you today. You have the power, you have the authority to prophesy your future over your feelings and in faith. Amen. 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 Let's go to the Lord.